Yesterday on Through the Bible, we heard Elihu eloquently defend God. Well, today, Job finally hears from God himself. Yep, you heard it right. We finally hear from God. Are you as excited as I am? Well, it's been a long journey for Job, hasn't it? We've watched him lose everything, his family, his home, his friends, and almost his will to live. And now, all of that is going to change. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I invite you to hop aboard the Bible bus for another leg of the journey through the whole Word of God. And as you do, Greg's here to give us some insight on this ministry that we all love. Yeah, Steve, we, we like to talk about the, the values that guide this ministry, uh, and they, they run the gamut from philosophical things to operational commitments like no fundraising, which is both philosophical and operational. Right. Um, this one may sound a little more uh, abstract, but it's very real, and that is the idea of joy in the ministry around the world of Through the Bible. Hmm. I think that's such an interesting perspective because we do encounter times where there's frustration and <laughs> yes. projects start and then they don't. I mean, we yeah. always talk about the wins yes, on the we program. Yes, we do. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, news, newsflash, <laughs> news. don't tell anybody, but sometimes <laughs> stuff doesn't go the way we want it to. Oh, Steve, can we cut that out? No, we're going yeah, we'll to do that. No, that is so true, Steve. Yeah. And, and it's important we tell all of our listening family, yeah, we have a lot of struggles in working in 200 languages, but we also have a lot of... Wins. And joy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it is it is very exciting. And to see the fruit and how the Lord orchestrates and brings all things together yeah. for good and, and for his glory. I think about, you know, how we uh, – I made a trip with, with Ray Allery, another one of our team members, yeah. uh, out to uh, Israel and yes. spent a bunch of time in Bethlehem yes. and put a team together to do Hebrew, which is a language that we've wanted to be in for so long and have just been stopped for yep. various reasons. And we got it all put together and prayed about it. And, okay, Lord, we're good to go. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer. We go home, and the team falls apart. Yes. It doesn't work. But I have you haven't even heard this. I was talking to Ray yesterday, and he yeah. said, the guy that's now going to do it is the guy that Steve said he ought to be doing that when you were there. Oh, really? Yes. So, so there is joy even in the fact that God gave you that insight, and it looks like we're back on wow. track. Wow. Yeah. That is exciting. So, and I know the yeah. translation work was continuing, and that was part of the process yep. as well. So it's like, okay, at least that's that's done, and now we need a front-end thing. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. So, so And that's, the, that's a great picture of the challenges, the ups, the downs, and the joys. And we do want to bring a couple of joyful testimonies from a place where you and I went, and that's Uganda. Oh, the yeah, best place yeah. on earth. That, to that be always brings a smile through to the Steve's Bible face. listener. <laughs> yeah. Hardest place to get to, and a tough <laughs> place. Right. Not very good roads. Yes, yep. And, and the food is a challenge if you're an American, yes. like we are. But beautiful <laughs> people and and brothers and sisters in Christ. Such a such a warm place in my heart for those folks. Yeah. So why don't you read this one from uh, Onesimus? Yeah, I was looking at the pronunciation of this. Onesmus <laughs> Niwamanya Rawanyea. That's very I'd impressive. I'd like to have that Very name. impressive. Okay, so Manya Biblio Yahweh, which is through the Bible mm-hmm. in Lugandan. Yes. It's been a great encouragement to me. Spiritually, I must say that there's a significant change ever since I started listening to this program. When I got born again, I thought that heaven was automatic for me. I never took the Word of God seriously. Prayer was never a necessity for me. I was just a cold Christian. But with Manya Biblia Yahweh, my life has completely changed. I now read my Bible more often with the help of the program. Prayer is now a must, and now I feel God is closer to me than ever before. Manya Biblia Yahweh has helped me to fall in love with God more and more because when you understand his word, you can't help it but love him more each day. Wow, lots of joy now. We have, I think, just enough time to hear from Glorious 
Nyakarungia. <laughs> I'm sorry, I Gloria. I did better on the other you, guy's Steve name. did much better. She says this, I thank God for this program, Anya Biblio Yahweh, because it has changed me so much in regards to knowing God. I learned endurance and patience from the story of Job. Hmm. I used to complain every time things didn't go my way, thinking that God had forgotten about me and that my prayers were in vain. But I am now confident that there is nothing that God cannot do. Hmm. What I know now is that God works in his own time and gives us the best. And I would not have known that if it were not for this program. I discovered it last year. And ever since then, my life has never been the same. And Steve, we could go on and on. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're running short on time. Steve, could you pray for us as we begin the program? Yeah, let me do that. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the joy that we have in ministry, the joy that we have in fellowship with one another, the joy that we have in access to you because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would continue to bless the ministry as it goes out, bless the program even today, that people might learn more about you and they might be closer in their relationship and their walk with you. All to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our study in Job 36 as we go through the Bible. Now we come here to the 36th chapter of the book of Job, and we have actually two more chapters of the discourse of Elihu. Elihu, and I'm reading now verse 1 of chapter 36 of Job. Elihu also proceeded and said, Suffer me a little, and I'll show thee, that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. Now, he's defending God. He has, like most of us have, a limited knowledge. We're dealing with an infinite God, and we don't have all the answers. That is the difficulty that a great many people have today. A man said to me, I can't believe. And I said, what is it you can't believe? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again? He believed that. Well, I said, then why can't you trust him? Well, there's so much else. The creation, Jonah, Noah, and the miracles, and he had all kinds of problems. And he said, writing to me, you've made the statement that it's because of our sin that we are unbelievers. And he said, I want to be a believer. May I say, he's committing, I think, a real sin, and it is this. He's letting what he doesn't know disturb him from what he does know. Now, a great many people know that. And if you know enough to trust Christ, these other things will adjust themselves. I'm sitting in a chair here. Now, there's a great deal about this chair I don't know. To begin with, I don't know who made it. I do not know the company. I do not know very much about this chair. don't know what kind of wood it is, some kind of plastic covering on it. I really don't know very much about the chair. But, friends, I know enough to sit down in it and trust myself to it. Now, you know Christ died for you? Know he rose again? All right, then trust him as your Savior. These other things will take care of themselves in time, I can assure you. And if it's necessary for me to know more about this chair, I think I could find out. But all I need to know is just enough to sit in the chair. And I know very little about an airplane. In fact, I'm even fearful in getting on it. But I get on it. I trust myself to it, you see. And that's all God asks you to do when you come to Christ. And so we're letting many of us, what we don't know, disturb what we do know. Now, will you notice what he goes on to speak of here? 
because he's quite limited, as we'll see. He says, I will fetch my knowledge from afar. I'll ascribe righteousness to my maker. Now, that's the same thing that Paul put down in a little different way later on. Paul made the statement, is there unrighteousness with God? And the answer is, let it not be. It's not true. God is righteous in all that he does. Now, this man is ascribing righteousness to God. But he's also making it clear that God is so far removed from man that actually we can't know him. And there's an element of truth in that, by the way. But what is it today that's separating us from God? Now, let's look at what this man is saying here. He says, verse 4, "...for truly my word shall be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee." That is, only God has perfect knowledge. Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He's mighty in strength and wisdom. He preserveth not the life of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings are they on the throne. Now, the whole sense of this is just simply this. God is far removed from us, and he's separated from us, and actually we can't communicate with him because of that. Now, this man is wrong in that. And that is a difficulty a great many people have today. Listen to what Isaiah later on said that separates man from God. It's not distance. It's not because God is great and we are small. It's not because he's infinite and we are finite. Here is the problem. Listen to Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he'll not hear. Your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue have muttered perverseness. And on and on he goes, and he spells out the different sins, and God says, these are the things that separate you from God. And today... There's no reason for you and me to be separated from God. Even the sin question has been settled. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And today we can come through him to God. Job was crying out for somebody to make the connection for him. Now, Elihu came nearer than anyone else, but he didn't make it. And that's the reason God finally broke in on this man, as we shall see. Now, notice what he says here in verse 22 and 23. This reveals what we're saying. Behold, God exalteth by his power. Who teacheth like him? Who hath enjoined him his way? Or who can say, thou hast wrought iniquity? Can't communicate, you see, with him. But he does say this, no one can teach like God can teach. You know, that was the thing that marked out The Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, he was the greatest teacher of all. Never man spake as this man spake. Never one taught like he taught. And friends, the teaching of the Lord Jesus down to this present hour is the greatest teaching that the world has ever had. Now, there are many rejecting him today, and yet they're talking about loving your neighbor. They're talking about mercy. They're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) 
They talk today about putting in many of the teachings that he gave. Well, who in the world's trying to put in the teachings of Plato or Aristotle? And they were smart boys. May I say to you that today the Lord Jesus still stands as the greatest teacher who teacheth like him. And now we come to chapter 37 here. And this man here is inferring as we move down into the chapter, and I'll have to drop way down in the chapter, and I'm just going to lift out these two verses here. Fair weather cometh out of the north, with God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He's excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. Now, again, you see, he's inferring that God is so far removed from man, we just can't communicate with him. And he's way up yonder, and we're way down here. And therefore, we see here that that which has separated God and man has been the sin of man. This is a tremendous statement, and chapter 37, I think, reveals that this man, Elihu, is not a proper mediator. And that's one of the reasons today that I have never specialized in counseling. If you want to know the truth, and let's just keep this, you know, between us, I don't know enough to be a counselor. I think a man today that's going to pose as a counselor, he's sitting in the place of God. He takes the place of God. And that's what the friends of Job, you see, they were taking the place of God in this man's life. They were going to counsel him. And their problem was their knowledge was not adequate. And today, I think the great breakdown in counseling is that we're not all-knowing. We are not omniscient. We do not have all the knowledge that is necessary. I have a very wonderful doctor. As many of you know, I have cancer and it's necessary for me to have a good doctor. The fact of the matter is, I wanted the best, and I think I have the best. And the thing I like about him is, he's not all-knowing and all-powerful. He tells me many times, I don't know. And I don't know why, but I like that. It makes him a human being, and he's not in the place of God. He's just a fine Christian, and he's attempting to serve the Lord. So he doesn't take God's place, doesn't usurp God's place. Now, this man, even Elihu, almost moves into that place. And therefore, he breaks off here. He just doesn't really know God as he should. He's so far removed, he said. Well, that wasn't the problem. And now God is going to break through. And you'll notice verse 22 of the 37th chapter, one of the last things that Elihu said he referred to the weather, and he gave a little weather report. Fair weather cometh out of the north. Why do you suppose he said that? Well, all the time that this man was speaking, and I think during most of the discourse, a storm was forming way over on the horizon. And as it, I think, grew dark, that the storm began to advance. The wind began to howl. And I think that a few drops of rain was falling. And it was a very wicked storm, by the way. And everybody ran for cover. And Elihu finally is here, 
And I think he takes so. And poor Job is left there. And now God breaks through. And God breaks through on this man in his weak place, by the way. And that weak place is just where we've left off, the inadequacy. God is so great. The mark of a good teacher, and we've said the Lord Jesus was the greatest teacher, and God is a teacher. He's teaching Job here, and he teaches us today. The Lord Jesus is the one that wants to teach us. And one of the marks of a great teacher is that a great teacher will begin where his students are, and he will move up to where he wants to bring them. That's the mark of a good teacher. Have you ever noticed? And we'll see it here, first of all. God begins right where they left off, in nature, storm coming up. God breaks in as the Creator. He begins there. He's going to bring this man where he wants to bring him to. Then the Lord Jesus always did that. I think the parables of the Lord Jesus, he never made up one of them. He just reached out yonder in the lives of the people of that day, and behold, a sower went forth to sow. While on a thousand hills in that land, you could have seen a sower sowing the grain. He began where they were. And the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took, hid in three measures of meal. That had been seen time and time again. Our Lord began where they were, and he brought them to where he wanted them. And Paul was that kind of a teacher. That's the reason some people misunderstand the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. That has to do with the tongues there. Paul is beginning in that chapter with them where they were. They'd gone off on that. Now Paul is leading them away from that to a higher plane, that they are to come up where they should be today, manifesting the body of Christ, so that you'll find all the way through the Word of God that here is the greatest teaching of all. We always begin where people are. And I used to, when I'd go from city to city in speaking, and I don't do this today because I'm a little better known, but in those early days, I always bought a paper. And if I could buy it for two or three days before I began a conference, I'd find out what the local situation was. Well, if they were having a mayor's race, or there had been some sort of a scandal, or if some famous person was there, I always would like to start with a casual reference. Try to be humorous, for instance, and something very light to begin with. Why? To begin where they live. That is something that you get from the Word of God. Now notice, when God breaks in, we've come to the great part of this. And believe me, if I felt totally inadequate, up to this point, I don't know what to say now. I feel like just keeping quiet and closing the Bible and going off the air, but we can't do that. So let me just read what God says and make a few comments as we go along. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, that's out of the storm, you see, that now has broken upon them. And God is speaking to him as the Creator. Who is this that darkness counsel by words without knowledge? <laughs> and now this is the second time, and God's going to come back to it, by the way. And we'll find that Job will finally be willing to say that he was uttering words without knowledge. 
That, my friend, is an awful sin. And I think today that we're having these talk programs on TV that they're not only committing an awful sin, but most of them are the most asinine that are imaginable. And they accomplish practically nothing at all. But they make for entertainment for some light-headed folk, apparently. Now, may I say to you that God says, Who is this that's darkening counsel by words, words without knowledge? It's just like taking a bunch of words out of the dictionary. And we find that a great many people do that. Man said he always liked the dictionary because the stories were so short in it. Well, a great many people just pull out a few words and attempt to put them together. And whether they make sense or not is not maybe important to some, but the fact that they're big words. And my, they say, can't he use big words? Now, verse 3, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Now he begins with creation. Here is the verse that I've always wanted to put in the front of every geology book, but they won't let me do it. But I'd like to put it in every book, whether it's written by a Christian or non-Christian, makes no difference. Put it in the geology book. Listen to this. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you? And that's a good question. What is it that holds these universes in space? And they're not standing still. That's the amazing thing about it. You and I are on a little earth that is probably as unstable as anything can be. And I'm not talking about earthquakes. I mean, there's nothing under it holding it up. But I don't know which is under as far as the universe is concerned and which is top, which is bottom. And why doesn't it start going in some direction? And why does it just go around and round? And what keeps it going round and round? Apparently been doing it for millions of years. The question is, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? And when I read about the geologists, I was with one up in northern Arizona. He took me up to a ridge. I just thought it was a ridge of sand there. Couldn't understand why the sand had piled up there. He kicked away the sand and you know what was there? It was a petrified law. And I said to him, my, where'd this come from? He said, California. Well, I said, who hauled it in here? He says, it floated in here. And if you want to look at that Arizona desert, I can't imagine that there was ever any water there to float anything. But that's what happened. That log floated in from California. And there it is. They had a day of petrified log. I said, when did that happen? Well, he said he thought probably 250,000 years ago. And he said it like he was there when the log arrived. May I say to you that he may be right. I'm not contradicting, not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that there are a lot of folk today that seem to know what took place millions and millions of years ago. God says, "'Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth?' Declare if thou hast understanding. Now, do you know where you were when God laid the foundation of the earth? Where did you come from? Now, verse 5. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? 
Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? And then here's another good one. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. <laughs> My friend, if you're his son, you're going to have joy in your life. He wants you to have joy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, yes. Happy is the word. He's happy. He's joyful. And he wants us to be joyful today. Oh, my. I hope the joy of the Lord is your portion today. He wants it to be. We'll pick right up there tomorrow. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Did you hear that? God wants you to have joy. He's joyful, and He wants us to be joyful today. If you want to experience that joy for yourself, the first thing that you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and become God's child. You can find out more at ttb.org when you click on How Can I Know God or call 1-800-65-BIBLE and we can help you out. I'm Steve Schwetz. Be sure to meet us back here tomorrow for our final message in the book of Job. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.